This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, solidarity. For the first time in history, 13,000 UAW members bravely walked off the line on Friday. The targeted strikes of three plants include the Ford Assembly Plant in Wayne, Michigan, where Michiganders are fighting to be able to put food on the table. The UIW has brought reasonable demands forward to be compensated fairly for their work and to assure a pathway for job security and a changing economy. But the big three chose to keep building on their historic profits and let their workers starve. If the big three can find the profits to keep lining the pockets of their executives, they should have no problem supporting the workers who made those profits possible. Auto workers built Michigan's economy and have continued to be a central pride for the American economy. Workers have made countless sacrifices for our country that deserve to be repaid, and now they are bravely fighting for the future of our labor and our economy. The Michigan Democratic Party stands in solidarity with the UAW as they righteously strike for a fair contract and for a brighter future for Michigan. 75% of Americans side with the union's 150,000 members in the ongoing negotiations. And this is a which side are you on moment for this country. To save the auto industry during the Great Recession, auto workers took massive cuts to their wages and benefits. While the auto companies have recovered and are making record profits, auto workers haven't, and many struggle to make ends meet. When labor wins, the middle class wins, and we are focused on ensuring that security here in Michigan. Despite continued opposition from the NRA and its Republican supporters in the legislature, Democrats are continuing to work on gun safety bills. Hearings are underway in the state's Senate Judiciary Committee dealing with one of the most common types of gun violence, shootings as part of domestic disputes. In a moment, we will talk with the chair of the committee and chief sponsor of the domestic safety bills, Detroit Senator Stephanie Chang. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with MDP's Dorian Titus. In the news this week, President Biden forcefully sided with the striking United Auto Workers on Friday, dispatching two of his top aides to Detroit and calling for the three biggest American car companies to share their profits with employees whose wages and benefits, he said, have been unfairly eroded for years. The president acknowledged that the automakers had made significant offers during contract negotiations, but he left no doubt his intention to make good on a 2020 promise to always have the back of union. Auto companies have uh, seen record profits, including the last few years because of the extraordinary skill and sacrifices of the UAW workers. But those record profits have not been shared fairly, in my view, with those workers. Over generations, auto workers sacrificed so much to keep the industry alive and strong, especially through the economic crisis and the pandemic. Workers deserve a fair share of the benefits they help create for an enterprise. I do appreciate that the parties have been working around the clock, and they've been around the clock, and the companies have made some significant offers. But I believe they should go further to ensure record corporate profits, which they have, should be shared by record contracts for the UAW. There is a link to the president's full statement on our website, partyonthepeninsula.com. 
Legislation to hold down the fight to prescription drugs in Michigan has been introduced in the state Senate, creating a prescription drug affordability board in Michigan. The nonpartisan independent body would set upper payment limits on prescriptions and hold big pharma accountable so Michigan residents can afford their life-saving medications to help make life-saving prescriptions more affordable for Michigan residents and make pharmaceutical companies more accountable to the people of Michigan. Michigan election workers and officials say they've endured threats to hang from a tree, harassing phone calls filled with foul language and hostile behaviors, such as being followed near their homes while doing their jobs. Under legislation introduced in the state house, intimidating, threatening, or harassing an election worker could be prosecuted as a criminal offense up to a felony. A person intimidating an election worker or preventing them from doing their job to the point they would feel terrorized, frightened, threatened, harassed, or molested could be criminally charged. If found guilty, violators could spend up to five years in prison. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has declined to kick Donald Trump off the 2024 ballot in Michigan, saying she doesn't have the authority to do so even if the former president violated the U.S. Constitution's 14th Amendment. Benson's decision was in response to a legal challenge last month by activist Robert Davis, who argued that Trump is ineligible to serve another term because the Constitution bars insurrectionists from office. Benson said Michigan law compels her to list Trump on the primary election ballot and that any determination to remove him must be made by the court. Trump was impeached for inspiring the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. The vote in the Senate to convict him was 57-43, including seven Republican senators, but the vote fell short of the two-thirds needed to convict. New data for progress polling finds that a majority of voters, including 73% of Democrats and half of independents, think that U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy should quickly encourage the House to pass spending bills that match bipartisan Senate bills to prevent a government shutdown. This includes 30% of Republicans. However, a majority of Republicans, 53%, think McCarthy should hold out to reduce spending and include other priorities in these bills, even if it means risking a shutdown. Republicans in the Wisconsin Senate voted Thursday to fire the swing state's top elections official. The reason? She refused to support GOP assertions that the 2020 presidential vote in Wisconsin was rigged. About an hour after the vote, she sued GOP lawmakers, seeking validation from the courts that she can keep her job. Republicans in the heavily gerrymandered state house are also threatening to impeach the state's newly elected progressive Supreme Court justice because of statements she made during the campaign opposing gerrymandering. Michigan native Mitt Romney, one of the few moderate Republicans still serving in the United States Senate, has announced he will not run for re-election. Romney, 76, is the son of the former Michigan Governor George Romney. In a soon-to-be-released biography of the Utah Senator, Romney is quoted as saying the Republican Party has been taken over by demagogues and that, quote, a very large portion of my party really does not believe in the Constitution. Link to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsula.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyler.
Thank you, Dorian. Joining us this week is the chair of the Senate Committee on Civil Rights, Judiciary, and Public Safety, Detroit Senator Stephanie Chang. She's the first Asian-American woman elected to the Michigan legislature. Senator Chang worked as a community organizer in Detroit for nearly a decade before serving two terms in the Michigan House of Representatives and then as the Democratic floor leader for her first term in the Senate. Senator Chang has built a strong track record of getting things done. In the state legislature, she has led on air quality and environmental justice, criminal justice reforms, affordable safe drinking water, and immigrants' rights issues. Before her election to the legislature, she served as state director for Next Gen Climate Michigan, alumni engagement and evaluation coordinator for the Center for Progressive Leadership in Michigan, deputy director for the Campaign for Justice, and as an organizer for Michigan United, One United Michigan. Senator Chang earned her bachelor's degree in psychology and master's degrees in public policy and social work from the University of Michigan. She lives in Detroit with her husband and two young daughters. Senator Chang detailed her ongoing work for gun safety with our Walt Sword. Senator Chang, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me back. You have done so much on gun safety already this session. Before we get into the the legislation you're working on now, a quick review of what was accomplished during the first six months of the legislative session. You passed three really big bills. We did. Yes. Was really proud of all the great work that we did earlier this year to ensure that we have universal background checks, ensure that we have safe storage laws to help protect kids from gun violence, as well as an extreme risk protection order bill. So much work by so many of my amazing colleagues on all of these bills, and it's so clear that there's more that we can do, and we're really grateful to all of the incredible advocates and organizations that have been there every step of the way. You are now working on one of the biggest problems with gun safety and gun violence, and that is domestic violence. What would these bills do that you're considering now in committee? These are bills that we've been working on for over five years now. Basically, what they would do is help protect domestic violence survivors from further abuse. There is a really terrible and unfortunate but very clear link between domestic violence and access to firearms. So we know that if you're in a domestic violence situation and the victim is in that home with that abuser and that abuser has access to a firearm, the in, the likelihood of a homicide actually goes up five times, five times more likely that someone may die. So it's really clear that there's a lot that we need to do there. So basically what our set of bills do, myself and Representative O'Neill, the bills that we've introduced would ensure that someone convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence would be prohibited from having, using, transporting, buying a gun for a period of eight years after their sentence is completed to remove the gun from the situation temporarily while we know that domestic violence situation may be something that we need to be worried about. So I'm excited about this bill. We had a great hearing on Thursday, and I'm feeling like we've got a lot of momentum here and hopeful that we can get it done. It is one thing to have a law prohibiting people from having guns on a temporary basis. It's another thing to enforce that law. Obviously, it's pretty easy to get an illegal weapon What enforcement provisions do you have in the legislation if, in fact, there are violations and somebody who shouldn't have a weapon does have one? Well, so that's a great question. I think that one of the things that's really important to note here is that we have heard from law enforcement and uh, prosecutors. Our Wayne County prosecutor, Kim Worthy, is the one who actually brought this bill to our 
uh, attention five years ago saying we need to do this. And the reason why is because we need our local law enforcement and prosecutors to be able to have this tool, which they currently do not have. So at the federal law, at the federal level, there is a law doing something very similar. But of course, our local law enforcement, they don't have jurisdiction to handle those. So what we need to do is actually pass this law to give our local police, to give our prosecutors the tools that they need in order to ensure that those convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence do not have access to these firearms. It's something that we know will work because we know that in the 31 other states plus D.C. that have this law already, it has been very effective in helping to address some of this domestic violence homicide rate that we have been seeing. So are we going to be able to save every single life? Probably not. But it is really important that we do everything that we can to save lives. And we know that we will decrease the homicide rate when it comes to domestic violence if we pass this law. What kind of response are you getting to this proposal from outstate prosecutors and outstate law enforcement? So actually, Attorney General Dana Nessel, when she spoke in committee on Thursday, um, she talked about how over the summer she has been going around the state talking to law enforcement, talking to prosecutors about domestic violence. And when she raises this issue, she has noted and spoke very well in committee about this that prosecutors, law enforcement from both sides of the political spectrum are very supportive of this. And that's pretty clear to me as well in our conversations with law enforcement. So I'm hopeful that we can continue to have that support. I think there's a lot of recognition here, regardless of political party, regardless of where you are in the state of Michigan, that domestic violence is a really serious issue. And we know that having that firearm in that situation makes things much more deadly. And I think it it speaks volumes to have so much law enforcement support for this from around the state, because it's because people recognize that domestic violence is something that escalates. So the first time something might happen that is more minor, the second time it might be more serious, the third, fourth, fifth time could get worse. And when you have a firearm in the mix, of course, we know that it makes the situation much more deadly. So that is, I think, why we see so many law enforcement officials that are expressing their support. Do you see the support from local officials moving up the chain to your Republican colleagues in the Senate and the House? Well, I'll note that we've introduced, this is the fourth time that we've introduced these bills. And we actually are really proud of the fact that in previous terms, we did have really strong bipartisanship. We When I first introduced these bills, when I was in the House in 2017, 2018 term, I worked with then Representative Mary Whiteford, then Representative Dear Rendon, and then in the Senate partnered up with Senator Wayne Schmidt, all Republicans, all folks who recognize that this is a domestic violence issue. This is something that should be bipartisan. I will also note that of the 31 other states plus D.C., you've got red states like Kansas, like Indiana, like Louisiana, West Virginia that have passed this kind of law. So there is really clear bipartisan support across the whole country on this issue. And I'm hopeful that can translate here to Michigan. Do you see other gun safety bills being moved through this legislature? I'm not exactly sure. I know that there are a lot of bills that many folks have been working on over the past many years and also a lot of conversation about different things. For example, there has been discussion about addressing firearm manufacturer liability. There's been discussion in years past around ghost guns. There's been other types of discussion around all types of things related to gun violence prevention. So I think that we're taking things one step at a time. I think the first three 
sets of bills that we did earlier this year are going to make a huge impact, save lives, help improve safety. The bills that we pass around domestic violence will do the same, will really help to protect domestic violence survivors. So I'm hopeful that we can keep going and really achieve those goals. Are there more things that we can do? Absolutely. And I'm hopeful that we can do that. As far as where things are headed in terms of support from across the whole legislature, I think that we obviously need to see how things go and continue to build support where we can. Before we wrap up, I do have to ask you about the story in Michigan and the nation right now. And that, of course, is the strike by the UAW against the automakers. A lot of auto workers in your district. I know you're talking with them. What kind of reactions are you getting from them? What are you hearing? I was at the rally in Detroit yesterday afternoon, and I have got to say there was so much energy, incredible energy there, where it really just felt so much like workers are energized. They're standing up. They're saying we need a fair contract. We need to end the tier system that is just unfair for workers. There should not be a tier system deserve better wages, deserve a strong contract. And so I think that is really inspiring. I know that it takes a lot of courage for folks to to go on strike. So many of my colleagues and I are really standing with UAW members who are standing up for what they deserve and will be with them until the end and hope that all of this incredible movement and activism will lead to the best possible contract. Senator Stephanie Chang from Detroit. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast this week. Thank you. That's our report for this week. We will continue to follow progress on making Michigan a state that leads the nation in protecting all of us from gun violence while fully respecting your Second Amendment rights. If you are finding this podcast useful, please share in your circles, both on social media and conversation with your like-minded friends. I'm LaVora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Party on the Peninsula is as a production of the Michigan Democratic Party.